This podcast is a 98 Studios production. Today's the day, baby. Today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the motherfucking day. Today is the day. Today's the day. Today is the day. Today's the day. What up, what up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to Today's the Day with Zach Anderson. I'm excited for today. This has been a year in the making minimum. Yeah, yeah, Aaron, thank you so much for being here, bro. I'm very excited. For those of you guys that don't know, we have Mr. Aaron Doria, one of my favorite people I have I've met in my adult life and honestly a big role model, does things the way that I care to do them and and just everybody loves him and it's 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 a superpower. So Aaron, I'm stoked to have you again. Thank you, man. I know it's yeah. crazy. I know you got a cold. You're sick. Yeah. It's a sad Yeah, <laughs> You're like, I'm coming, bro. So yeah, you're the man. It. Thank you so much. I know how busy you are, but l- let's kick it off and let's roll all the way back and kind of tell people who you are. Who's Aaron? Who am I talking to? Why am I talking to you? Give us, yeah. give us the story though, the, well, the origin story. First, hey, thanks for the opportunity, dude. I appreciate it. I mean, literally, I think you're, hey, I'm going to start a podcast I want to interview you that for the very first time. And we were like, all right, let's do it. And then we're out of town. I'm out of town. Liz, it's been about a full year of full trying year. to get together. So I appreciate it. But yeah, um, yeah, dude, let's see. So born and raised in San Diego, um, middle child of five kids, um, you know, uh, you know, grew up there in San Diego, did two years of college there, transferred over here to Utah, um, got my degree here. Um, you know, majored in advertising, which was a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah. And then got to the door to door game. I love it. So just a little preface on how I know you. So you're you're one of the partners at Vivint. I got to work with you or, or, or watch you work in the same company for a long time. A lot of takeaways and you guys dominate. You guys, your guys' culture, your guys' is like, like the flashiness of you guys. Honestly, your story, I think, is actually what's the coolest. Like you guys have some of the coolest people in the door-to-door industry in your guys' yeah. group. Like, yeah, I, like you like, have yeah. a J. Lou, you got a Puck, you got yeah. you, you got Ace, you got all the boys, right? Which is really cool. And you guys, you guys market yourselves incredibly well, which is really cool. I think yeah. you probably play a big part in that. Um, but I, rewinding, rewinding, rewinding. I remember when I started at Vivint, um, there was that video of you, like when you, yeah. you were going to go and work for this big marketing firm in New York and everything. And I've always been curious and we're going to be all over the place with your story because there's yeah. so many <laughs> random things that I want to go in depth about. So I'm going to ask. Um, what was your, so out of college, what was your game plan? How did you even get introduced to the space? How did you end up in the space? And then I think that was, you were actually stepping away and then you came back or fill me in on the story. Yeah, no. Um, so I mean, my door to door, (laughs) my door to door experience is, is, is very different. And I honestly, I think like if anybody's listening, can I make it? Can I go regional? Like, can I do it? Like if I did it, you can do it. There's honestly no excuses if, if you, if you get the details of the story, but, um, I mean, I got introduced to, so I grew up in San Diego. I was the only Mormon kid in my whole high school. You know, there's like five of us, right? There's like five Mormons and like, and there's like 3000 kids. And you four know? of them are really weird. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, ah. yeah, it was, yeah. So it was very interesting, you know, and like, feel like, you know, in San Diego, they didn't even know what that was. You know, it was, it was hard growing up in San Diego, you know, like it had to like introduce dry humping to San Diego. They didn't even know what that was, you know, just, you can cut that out. Uh, but uh, no, I'm so glad. Yeah. they need that over there. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, wait, wait, and we're done. <laughs> okay. uh, but uh, no, so it was just like, you know, funny, just, you know, growing up and stuff. And so one of my only Mormon friends moved to Utah and uh, of course, right, you know, joined the rest. And then I stayed out in San Diego, posted up, um, went on my mission uh, to Brazil, you know, for two years on my mission. He just hit me up, telling me like his brother went out and sold to this thing. And I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. I come back and, um, and I was working right away, you know, and our growing up, you know, you just had to have a job. So, you know, if you weren't playing sports, you were working right away. Yep. Um, I remember I, I quit one of the varsity team, varsity basketball. I remember I quit, um, just like I got done with football. I love football way more than basketball. And then, um, and then right when I quit, my dad got me a job, like literally the next week. And I, and I was like, Hey, I have you a job. I'm like, Oh, I didn't even interview for anything. He's like, oh, I already got you one. You're boom. I'm like, Oh man, so we're already going to work. Okay, cool. That's so I get, Latin and you're yeah, exactly. Dad, dude. Jose, dude, you know, my I dad, he, just, he took care of that. So, and then, uh, so then right from there, you know, I come back and I start doing, um, you know, just working right away. And then they come out to, you know, um, Hey, you should come do this and showed me the whole thing. Um, and I'm like, all right, sure, let's go do it. And we did like a mom and pop shop. So we were a dealer of monotronics, um, called sound security. And I was from San Diego and I went to my very first area was the ghettos of Vernal, Utah, you know, so, Hell yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's an oxymoron if you've ever been to Vernal. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. yeah. So then I went to uh, Vernal, Utah. My office was uh, literally four people. So my manager, his brother, me, and one of my friends. 
And so it's just four of us the whole time. So <laughs> pause, 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 yeah, yeah. pause. So in this moment, your homie's like, yo, dude, I know of somebody who sold her family member from whatever. Like, we should go do it. Yep. And you're like, okay. Yeah. You ship out to Vernal. You get there. There's you and three other people. And what you're about to do is go and knock on doors and try and sell security systems in Vernal, Utah for the next four months. What yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, <laughs> what were you thinking? Like so, when you got there, were you like, oh, this is sick. Or were you like, oh, I effed up. What it am was, I doing? What was So it? I started in 2008, right? So okay. this is the heart of the housing crisis, right? I started in 2008 and, um, I, so we, my, my, one of my closest friends ever, David Larson, he's the one who got me into the uh, business. Shout out to David Larson. Love that guy. And he got us introduced to it and we signed up with platinum. And then we went to, I went to one blitz. Like I was living in San Diego. So we were, our office is going to be in LA. So I went up to LA for like a weekend just to kind of try it out. And I was knocking doors and I remember calling my dad. I'm like, dad, like every other house, there's like four houses in a row, foreclosure, foreclosure, like all these signs. <laughs> and I'm like, dad, I'm like what's going on? Everyone's moving. He's like, no, son, like the economy's crashing. You've been in Brazil for two years. You have no idea what's going on. He's like, everyone's losing their houses. I'm like, okay. So then luckily David, he had a smart move. He bailed on platinum. And then we went and did a small deal with sound security. And we went to Vernal, Utah, because the oil boom was going pretty good during mm. that time. Mm. So we were there, so went up to the Vernal and I get up there and there's only four of us, but I don't know any different. I don't know that there's big companies like Vivin out there. I didn't know that like Platinum was that big. I had zero idea. I'm on mm-hmm. an island in San Diego, so I have no idea. So yeah. but it's like four people, maybe this is normal, you know? And the correlation is just like us, like sitting here right here and we're, you know, high five in the air. And we had one tech for us four. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we did. And so, you know, and I went out and I killed it. You know, we sold 40. <laughs> I sold 40 my rookie year. <laughs> That's, hey, that's almost double what I did. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> arguably probably yeah. a little bit different yeah. sale, but yeah. that was almost double me. 40 my rookie year. And, and it was like the management, you know, bless David's heart. I love him, but he'd be like, you know, he'd give us an incentive like, Hey guys, if we kill it on, th- it was like Thursdays. Like if we kill it today, we're taking Friday and Saturday off. I'm like, hell yeah. Let me just take the weekend off. Yeah, <laughs> that's commission sick. only job. You sell like, six on Thursday. You're like, we're done. Yeah. I love it. I just love it. It's like, all right, commission only job. Let's just take the weekend off. That makes sense. You know? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Perfect. So then, uh, so yeah, you know, uh, you know, guess what? I'll solve that riddle. That dealer went out of business, you know? You know, so, uh, then I go back home. You and guys then, were their top sales team. Yeah. Too, weren't you? <laughs> sure. <laughs> For sure. Oh, sound security. Yeah, they went. They went BK. We didn't even get our backends that year, so no backends. They were done before backends showed up. So that, that was, was huge. I was at least eight hundred bucks. Yeah, easily, <laughs> easily. I was like, okay. So I didn't even know what was going on. So That's I go amazing. back to San Diego, and then I I was working full time. So I, I work uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday full time. Um, do like a marketing job out there, and then I go to school full time Tuesdays and Thursdays till cool. like nine o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night. So I was doing full credits uh, at school. And then working, you know, uh, a good amount of time as well. And then I just kept doing that three summers in a row. Second year, they convinced me to do it again. I made $14,000 my rookie year. And uh, for me, that was actually a big deal. Like for sure. 14K for me was like, for sure. It was kind of life changing money for me. Yeah. And so uh, it was a big deal. And I, I remember like coming home and like uh, talking to my dad. I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, hey, dude, I'm uh, thinking about dropping out of school. <laughs> And he's like, he's like, why? And I'm like, I don't want to brag in front of mom. I'm like, mom, like, go into the room. Like, I made fourteen thousand dollars, you know. <laughs> and my dad's like, and? And I'm like, well, you know, it's a lot of money. So yeah. I think I'm done. He's like, no, no, like you're still broke. And he like broke it down. How I'm like, I'm still poor. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. He's so like, I, this would last you about eight months, and then you'd like, be done. You would be done. I'm like, okay, cool. So then I go back to school, um, and back to work, and then I go out for a second summer. We went with a small dealer of ADT. Uh, we went to uh, Rock Springs. Wyoming. Uh, if anybody's ever been there, you, you're yes. probably <laughs> buying meth or something. But yeah, I went to Rock Springs, Wyoming. And then, um, and I lived in a motel. Uh, so there's four of us again. So, and I've seen this picture. So this, yeah. <laughs> these are some stories I've heard because you presented this, this type of stuff. Yeah. Like I have seen some pictures and it's like, it is the ultimate, it's, deal. it's the ultimate, like if I can do it, you can do it. And if my situation was this, I, I have no empathy for your situation. Yeah. yeah. So powerful. No, like, my, my, <laughs> My, my, my trainings now, when I go out for the summer, you know, I have like these slides and I do this in the very beginning, like of May, just to kind of shut everybody up. Like, I don't want to hear any complaining. Like, yeah. do not call me about your housing. I'm the worst guy to call about your housing, you know? Yeah. So you guys got it too good these days, you yep. know? But, um, yeah. So actually the office grew from four to five. <laughs> so, you know, we grew, you know, there's five of us. That's um, pretty, that's yeah. 20%, 20% growth. Not it? bad actually. That's that's pretty good. Not at all. So, you know, we you know, grew there and then, um, and we, yeah, we lived in a motel, um, the whole summer. And, um, I shared a bed with a, with a grown ass man the entire summer. It was two Queens and a mini fridge. And so one slept on the floor 
And then, and then, and then we would share a bed, you know, the other, the other four guys. You guys had the cheapest housing in the history of door to door. Yeah. Yeah. Your total <laughs> overhead was like 12 grand for five dudes. I, I look back now and, you know, it makes sense. Like it's like they're on a dealer program and, you know, they're just cutting the housing costs as much as possible and netting the money and, you know, it makes sense. And I just, I never knew any better and I never really thought to complain. I was just like, all right, cool. Like I got an opportunity to go sell, make some money. Um, I'm, you know, it just sucks that I have to go work all day and then go share a bed with a grown ass man and, you know, be little. So I have have a question on that. You're absolutely right. Like the way you looked at it to go and be able to get to where you're at from where you came from. And I've seen the pictures of these motels. I've heard these stories and you're about to talk about the next year's housing, which is even better. Like I like it even more, but it's like, you just said something that's really, really cool. And I'm curious about it. You just said like, you never even thought to complain. You had an opportunity to go sell and make money. And like you treated that with a lot of respect, even though you weren't pampered. And the problem that I see in, in the space and honestly, just in general with most people coming up in the newer generation, probably even people in your generation as well, mm-hmm. that were like, where do you get that appreciation for opportunity and the the attitude of like, okay, like I'm going to go and make the most out of my opportunity. I don't need to be catered to for everything because you very well could have complained about having to sleep on the floor every fifth day. Yeah. And you very well could have made that the reason you go home. And I don't think anyone would have blamed you. And I don't think anyone would have been like, oh, like, yeah, you tried the door to door thing and your company went bankrupt. And then you went to this next place and you were in crackhead town and yeah. you're sleeping on the floor of a motel for four months. No one would have blamed you for moving on and going to a different career, doing something different. And fast forward to where you're at right now, you are in the top 1% of 1% of earners. You dominate, you live a really, really, really cool lifestyle. It's very unique. And like, I think that's because from the beginning you had that attitude. So my question, sorry, it's a long, no, you're good. It's a long winded question. My question is, where did you get that? How did you hold on to that? And where can someone else go and like have that same perspective? Where did you get it starting off though? Like, where did that come from? Um, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> so yeah, there's a couple of things. I, I you know, as, as I was driving here to do this podcast, I was kind of like thinking of some of these things and stuff. And I thought about it before with my guys and there's a lot of cool, there's a lot of cool, like trendy things to say right now. You know, it's like, oh, I'm persistent, you know, like I'm a dog, you know, I love to grind and all stuff. But one thing that's just not fancy, but everyone over, overlooks is, is patience. And, um, honestly, my dad taught me that like at an early age about patience. And, um, and if you hear my dad's story, you know, it's like, you know, we didn't grow up with much, you know, we're five kids living in South San Diego, Chula Vista, you know, um, we're like 20 minutes from the border there. And, um, you know, my, my dad started his career when he was like 35, 37 and he got his job because affirmative action passed and they had to, corporations had to hire a certain amount of minorities. And so my dad, you know, Jose Ronaldo Doria got an opportunity to be a state farm agent, um, for the first time, you know, and, you know, for state farm, you know, too many white people, so they had to hire some Mexicans and stuff and it's <laughs> fine. And so, um, you know, he got Honestly, his job. probably good having some Spanish speakers. Too. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. Especially, it worked out well for him, right? I like this. And yeah. so, yeah. And so he like told me, he's like, listen, I sold he sold his house and lived on the equity for a while. And when he started his agency, he lost money year one, lost money year two, broke even year three, made a little bit of profit year four. And now he's been doing state farm agent for, for 36 years. Right. So cool. And so, and and that was at 37 when he was starting to like do his career. How old are you right now? I'm 37. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm 37. So, um, it's actually kind of ironic. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. And so he was starting his career at my age. Yeah. Right. And now I, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty good for my career right now. Like I'm, yep. I'm in a good spot, you know? And uh, so it's been cool. But so just like early, like he was, he was always uh, encouraging. Cause I, I hit him up. I'm like, Hey, should I go do this summer sales thing? I have this great job. I was making 15 bucks an hour, you know, back in 2008 uh, with 5% commission doing this little marketing thing. And uh, which is pretty good at that time. And he's like, Hey, if there's ever time to take risk in your life, it's now when you don't have a wife, you don't have a, you know, have kids depending on you, you don't have a mortgage, you know, he's like, he was so stressed out yeah, doing yeah. that job. It was really, really hard for him. And so he's like, this is the time to go take risks. So I went out and took a risk and did that. And so I kind of had this patience uh, of doing it. And then also I didn't come from much, you know? And so I go out and make some, you know, make some money, like on the, on the you know, knocking doors. It was, it was really, really cool. It was just like, wow. I mean, I mean, how much money did I make this, you know, this week? I'm like, that's the most money I've ever seen in my life, you know? Yeah. And so it was just, you know, I, I didn't really think much of the, op- you know, like I'm too good for this opportunity and stuff. Of course, in the back of my mind in the early years, right. 
I was too good for door to door, right? You know how everyone is, right? I'm like, oh, I'm going to go. And I was pretty good at advertising. Like that was my degree. And I'm like, and I had this plan. Like when I graduate, I'm going to go to advertising. I'm not going to do door to door. Like yeah. I'm not going to be 30. This is just going to get me doors, there. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. it's hilarious. And I, you know, look at it. I was running a team when I was 32 years old, you know, but like I would never be knocking doors when I'm in my thirties. You know, I love when the kids say that to me. It's the best, but um, you know, <laughs> and so, yeah, that's just kind of like, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of just in me and, um, and I just kind of stuck with it and, I saw, and then, you know, later on we're skipping, but like later on when I started seeing other people, um, make some really crazy money in the, in the industry, I never just thought they were, they were not much better than me, you know, like they kind of opened my vision a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. So we'll talk about that. I'm excited to get to that point as well, but that's really powerful. Like, I think you appreciated it because of how you, how you came up. And I think you were extremely patient. And like, I think that those two things really aren't as cool to say. It's not cool to be like, Hey man, be super grateful for the opportunity and like treat it with the due respect that it deserves. And also go be patient with it. Like, I think patience is probably one of the biggest things in door to door. Yeah. How many people that are like the best were not very good for many years. I remember like a really powerful stories like Nate Lords. Yeah. Nate Lords was good, like really good for like five years. And then randomly, I think it was like his sixth or seventh year. Started slapping people around. Did like 450 accounts. And I was like out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Like it's just like clicked, I guess. I'm like, what? And everyone talks about it clicking like the first year or maybe the second year is when it clicks. But like I've seen guys where it clicks like the fifth year or the fourth year. And then it's like they never turn back. Now that dude is like taking over the world dominating. It's super, super cool. So I love that you said patience. That's really cool. Okay. Resume. So you're out there. That's your living situation. Living situation. How did that summer go? I had a down year. I went from 40 to 36. That's not bad. <laughs> there you go. That's yeah. a little different yeah. for me. Yeah. So like, I think that's what's important. You know, like every, you know, I hate these stories. Uh, not that I hate, they're, they're fine, but I just like, you know, you get the Trevor Franks, right? Like I struggled and then I sold 310 years in a row. And you're like, well, that's not like, that's like <laughs> when did you struggle? Like, you know, you're, I, I don't like that. Like, we're like, they just, like, and then I had one and then I just killed it. Like, dude, I struggled. And I mean, I'm talking uh, 40, 36. I was the top rep in my office my third year with at 68. <laughs> That's awesome. I was the I was the best of the worst uh, at sixty eight, and then but um, you felt good about it. I felt good. I was like you know, my vision. I didn't know you, you were know? a big fish in a small pond, and Perfect. you were loving it. Perfect. Like I I go to the back end party from San Diego, and I'm like in line, you know, doing the back end party, you know, getting the food or whatever. And this guy's like, "So who was the top rep in your office?" I'm like, "Dude, like." <laughs> I don't want to brag, but like, you know, it was me. He's like, oh, dude, really? I'm like, yeah. You know, he's like, well, what'd you sell? I'm like, you know, 68, you know? And he's like, no, no, no. Like, not what, not what was your best month? Like, what did you do for the whole, the whole summer? And I was all, oh, oh yeah. 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 Same answer. Yeah. About, yeah. 68. Yeah. <laughs> just like, and I just realized when he asked me like, no, no, not the, not your best month. What was your best, you know, for the whole summer? And I was like, that was the whole time. I was the top rep at 68, you know, then I was like, Oh shit, like I'm in trouble. Like this is uh, yeah. you know, I can just, I need to step my, I need, I need to level up here, you know? <laughs> I love that. So yeah. And then, um, and how was it in that market? Cause that was 2009. You said, uh, Montana or Wyoming. Where were you? Uh, Wyoming in Wyoming. 2009. Um, you know, it was her height. And then, uh, and then 2010 was a little bit of Montana. Then we discovered North Dakota and then I went out, which is crazy. I sold 68 my third year and they let me manage my fourth year. That's so <laughs> and sick. I, and I went and managed my They're own a little team. desperate. Yeah, 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 clearly. Yeah, we were balling on a budget back then. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, so uh, um, I ended up managing my my fourth year. And then that's when I, you know, we'd have, there was the oil boom in North Dakota. So all the oil companies came out and just booked out all the hotels and so we didn't have anywhere to live. So I got a fifth wheel trailer. And then I. This is like my favorite yeah. slide in any of your presentations. You had a. F- <laughs> you tell it actually. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> so we didn't have any. Um, we didn't have like any housing. And so, you know, we, we thought this would be a brilliant idea to weld a hitch uh, to my Mitsubishi Endeavor. And if you, you know, if I doubt anybody listening has a Mitsubishi Endeavor, but, um, you know, I bought the car for $12,000 used, you know, and it says in the manual, like, do not tow, can't tow. But my dad's like, you know, you know Jose is like, dude, they always say that, but you're fine. Like you can, always, I'm like, really? The most like, yeah. Jose move, yeah. I love it. So we weld this hitch um, to this. I need to meet your dad, bro. I <laughs> yeah. need to meet He's your a dad. Cheap. So we weld this hitch, the Mitsubishi Endeavor. We pull this trailer 
I knew it was bad when like I was at a gas station, all these truckers were taking pictures of my car. Like, look at this, like taking, taking, I'm like, damn, that's not a good sign. Like, and it's like dipping, like my, my, my bumpers like this, the wheel, you know, we drove and, uh, you know, shout out to Josh Corral. He was a rookie that year. He drove with me and it, it, uh, it was only supposed to be like 14 or 15 hours in North Dakota. It took us 21 hours to get to North Dakota and, uh, semis were passing us. Going like 25 under maxing it out, 7,000 RPMs. Like, yeah, so when I pulled yeah. up to the trailer park, the the Minot Swenson trailer park in North Dakota, they were flabbergasted that I made it. They were just like, people were like, this is a miracle that you even got here. And they're like, we'll take it from here. So they parked my little trailer. And then I let, and then it was a fifth wheel trailer. So it was just pop out beds. It was like tents. And um, yeah, we had, um, you know, no, uh, no AC and no running water, you know, at all for four months and uh, just live in the trailer. And we ended up getting apartments later. I put some of my guys and some of my technicians in that. And then me and a couple of their buddies stayed in the trailer the whole, the whole summer. And, uh, you know, when it would rain, it would soak my little tent and the wind would whip and some water would splash on me. And I'd like, you know, get, you know, get you know, wet. And then every day, um, I'd wake up and, um, I go to the YMCA to work out. And then I showered at the YMCA every single day. Uh, cause like we had no running water. So I showered at the YMCA there and then brush my teeth, do my hair and put my lanyard on. And then have correlation in the one apartment that we had where I, it was a one bedroom apartment where I had six guys living. So sick. So, yeah. so sick. I love that. Yeah. And that was your introdu- introduction to leadership. So, okay. Yeah. I have a question for you there. You had this, this like perspective of appreciation and patience and all of that. How the hell did you go and convince how many people were with you that year? Eight, seven other people or eight other people. How did you go convince everyone on your team to have the same view. Like, yeah, bro, like we're going into summer, great opportunity. Yeah. And then you pull up to pick them up on the way to cross country <laughs> in your Mitsubishi. <clears throat> I've seen the picture. It looks yeah. like a teeter totter. It looks like if you hit a bump big enough, it would just like, oh yeah, both things would catch air. Yeah. How, how do you go and instill that into your people? Or did you just luck out and find people that were very it, it's, similar? It's honestly worse. Like, um, so, you know, you know, solve that riddle too. You, you shouldn't weld a hitch it, that ended up blowing my transmission. So the yeah. Mitsubishi transmission blew up. So that yeah. car was done. And so I bought a minivan for $3,300, which is probably a solid investment, but it had a little button with the doors open. I'm like, done, you know, like button, doors open, like easy. Yeah. But, uh, but it was eight of us, right. Total. And so only sat seven. So every day after correlation, we would do rock, paper, scissors. And then whoever lost between all of us would have to lay in the trunk. And I remember like, I still have like PTSD, like closing the trunk of my sales reps because they'd be like laying in my trunk with their iPad, you know, not iPad, with their binder, you know? Yeah. And they're like, I don't know if this is a good idea. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I remember closing. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, it's fine. It's like his third day losing in a row and you just feel bad almost, but you got to stick with the rules. And honestly, I'm like, we should, you know, I was thinking about this. We should have another time where we do podcasts where we just share good glory day stories, you know, because because there's just so much. I remember getting pulled over in the minivan and, and there was a police officer and he's like, is somebody in your trunk? And I'm like, no, my trunk? No, absolutely not. He's like, I'm pretty sure I saw a head. And there's like a, a one of my cell laying in the trunk, you know? I'm like, my trunk? I'm like, no. And he, all he had to do was like, just put his flashlight on there. He saw a camera just laying there, right? He's just a guy <laughs> looking <laughs> up. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, no, no. And we like got out of the car, like went to the bathroom of the gas station. The, the cops just kind of walking around and never looked. Anyways, we have so many stories about that. But yeah, so anyways, putting cell drops in my trunk and then driving them out every day and dropping them off. How do we get it done? Honestly, um, you know, we just, we were pumped and we were, we we were enthusiastic. We were excited for the opportunity. And a a lot of my guys, my friends, my first, you know, year managing with a lot of my friends and homies, Josh Grill went to um, class with me at BYU. Yeah. So I, you know, recruited him and he was, you know, trying to be an absolute dog and killed it. Right. But uh, all my other friends, they did pretty good too, but like, we didn't come for much and like, you know, making 14, 15,000, 20,000 in a summer at that time was a lot of money, but I was 24 years old living in a trailer park, uh, showering at the YMCA. And I still, that was my first year I cleared six figures and I was, I was 24 years old. Like, yeah. So when I, when I did that, that's when the vision kind of opened up. I was like, oh damn, like this can be real. This can be real. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. But I think the unique and I, I'm going to probably keep hammering on it is literally like the unique piece of that is like, dude, there was no entitlement in you. There was no like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I have had reps or leaders under me or even with me or next to me or in the company that you see, they go make, they go make good money. And then they can't go run a blitz because the housing isn't good enough. Or on the on the on the blitz, they need their own master bedroom. Like they because they are like, dude, they make a quarter million dollars. Like, why would they not? And they're driving a hundred thousand dollar car and all that. And I'm like, dude, that is such a wrong way to that 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 is not how you go scale. 
you go scale by approaching it exactly how you did. And it's cool that your guys followed that as well. And I also think you said something really powerful also, like the enthusiasm and excitement. Like I genuinely believe you have big energy, you have small problems. Yeah. If you have small 100%. energy, you have massive problems. Right. And I try and like instill that in my guys. And sometimes it gets a little misinterpreted and my guys are just nuts and then it's just chaos. But yeah, in the chaos, everyone's having fun. And if you can go hone that in a little bit, like I really, I really, really believe that. And I think you're like a walking example. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever heard you say that, but you are like a walking example of if you have big energy, you have small problems. And like, you're one of the people I'd call and like express frustrations yeah. to. And, and you're like, it. and you joke about it. And I'm like, fuck. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> like, I guess it's not that deep. Like, whatever, dude, you're laughing in my face. Yeah, and I was yeah. nearly in tears five yeah. minutes ago. And I know it's a, it's a, it, it's super, super cool about you. So I love that. And it makes a lot of sense. No, I would, I remember calling and checking out on some sometimes. And we, we, you know, cause honestly, it's like, we're complaining about what, man? Like, you know, it's, I know. It's like sometimes my guys will come, Okay, so I'll, I'll tell you this one story. This one like affects me pretty big time. So I'm 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 managing. This is deep in my career, probably year nine or something like that, year ten. I'm managing, and I'm I'm pissed off at the job, and I'm like really having a hard time with this job, and something. Who knows what? My my, my reps are pissing me off. Um, area technicians. Who knows what? Yeah. And I'm stressed. I'm driving. And I'm, I dropped off the guys. I'm driving by myself to area, get on my phone and I pull up this thing. It's, it's CNN on Facebook or something like that. And it says this article and I click on it. And I actually, it's hard for me. I shouldn't be starting this right now. It's going to ruin the vibe for us. But, um, this, this, this story is this guy trying to cross the border to come to the United States with his family. And his opportunity was to work at his cousin's pizza shop to be a chef um, at his, at his cousin's pizza shop. And when he crossed the border of the Rio over there in Texas, he fell into the river and started drowning and his daughter jumped in after him. And the wife lost her husband and her three-year-old daughter and they, and they drowned. Right. And they're interviewing the wife, like what happened? It's like, Oh, we were crossing to go work at this pizza shop, you know? And I pulled over and I'm like, I'm not that mo of an emotional person. My, my reps will tell you that, like, you know, I'm not that very emotional, but like I had to pull over because I was, it hit me so hard yeah, and it affected me so much that I'm like, what am I complaining about? Like what, what, what are my, what are my problems that, yeah. you know, Oh, a cup, I'm only gonna make a couple, you know, thousand dollars today or something like that, or, or this week or what, like we're not even paying for housing. We're not even doing this. We're not even doing that. Like what, whatever I, I have an, I have a badge ID and an iPad provided by the company. And I have an opportunity to go make a thousand dollars a day yep. doing this job with, you know, some have college degrees, some don't, who knows, but I can just go around and talk in the native tongue of English, all of these people and make a thousand dollars a day. And there's people trying to risk their lives to come over here to be chefs at pizza shops. Cause it would be a better opportunity than what they have over there. Yeah. And it was just a slap in the face. Like, dude, Aaron, shut up. Stop complaining. Like it was in my head. I wasn't complaining my reps or anything, but just like, what are you doing? What are you having a pity party for what? Yeah. And I, I remember that like it was yesterday because sometimes I'll catch myself, you know, having these little tiny pity parties for myself. Like, oh, wait, what about this? What about that? I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah. I would have never imagined I'm making the money that I'm making right now. Yeah. Ever. Five years ago, I would have never imagined I'm making the money that I'm making. And so it's just a good reminder. It's like, that's huge. Dude, that's so power. That's so power. I don't, know, I don't think that ruins the mood at all. I think that's really, it's like, that's why perspective is so important because with the right perspective comes the right everything. And like, I've had micro experiences like that where like you're having a tough week. Like, let's say you have this idea of how the week should go and it goes the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. Right. And like for a lot of my people, my people are starting something brand new and getting their shit rocked. Of course. And that's what happens. Right. It's a given, but it's like, you're having a tough week and like, I went to these places where people are a lot less fortunate than what I grew up to see, especially in this job. I went to like big inner city places, yeah. right? And you go and you like meet someone and they're so, this is what always hits me. Like the sad things kind of destroy me a little bit. I just like break down, start crying and I feel bad for everyone. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are very powerful. But like what's really, really powerful to me is like when I go meet someone where it's like I'm in, I'm in inner city Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm walking around with, again, my iPad provided by the company, opportunity to go make more money than I've ever seen anyone in my life make. Right. And I go meet this, this like single mom who just got off her second shift of her second job. And she's like offering me bottled water or whatever. And being the biggest sweetheart. Yes. Like can't offer me anything like monetarily other than just, but she would, if she could. And she's mm -hmm. like so happy. And I'm like, yeah, like she's like, how's your day? I'm like, oh, good. Like, how's your day? And she's like, oh, it's so good. Sugar. Like blessed to be alive. Blah, blah. And yeah. it's like, holy crap. Like that stuff is so like, 
And it happens all the time. If you look for it, you realize how freaking lucky you are in any situation. Like if you look to go and realize how lucky you are in comparison, it's insane. And the one thing I've learned about complaining is somebody always has it worse than you. Yeah. And anytime you're complaining, you just look dumb. Yeah. You just make yourself look dumb. And it's a waste of time. It is. It, it goes nowhere. Like it doesn't n- help. nothing, like, it's just like, it's a waste of time. Yeah. And so, you know, um, you know, every, all my reps know, you know, like they'll call my partner when they want to get a scratch on the back, you know, but like when they call me, like they're going to get it real, you know, they're going to get very transparent. And I've loved, dude, yeah. I've loved that about you. That's why you're literally one of my favorite dudes. And like, we, we didn't talk every day, but I called you in some like trying times. Yeah. And I think I called you because I knew you'd give me what I need, not yeah. what I want. And sometimes you want pity and like, you're not really a pity giver, which is super, super cool. And it's hard not to, cause it's really easy to wallow in things with people. Like yeah. it's very easy to like, yeah. So well, it's, it's really cool. Okay. Like, look at you. You're, you're dominating, you know, at a way faster rate than at my age, right? Like you're already crushing and stuff. And, and, and there's a lot of people that have dominated. There's a lot of people that have taken advantage of this opportunity. But how many people have we recruited where they should have dominated and, and it never panned out. Right. And let me tell you this. Like, I think the people that have trouble with this job are the ones that have always been good at everything their whole life. The dude that's just naturally good at, you know, sports, you know, on the varsity team or the homecoming king or, or the, or the girl that's a Valley Victorian homecoming queen, like just naturally good at things Yeah, because the doors will rock you. The doors will humble anybody to their core. core. So they get out there and they're expecting to be good because they've been good at everything their whole life. So they're expecting to be good. They're expecting it to come naturally to them. And it's an even playing field. That's what I love about the doors. It doesn't care about how rich your parents are or how poor your parents are. It doesn't care if you're black, Mexican, white. It doesn't care what kind of car you drive. No one cares about your ACT scores. Nobody cares about your GPA. They don't care if you have a degree. It's just this even playing field for everyone. Yep. And that's what I love because everyone has the same opportunity to go and take advantage of it. But it's always mind boggling to me who takes advantage of it and who doesn't. It's so crazy. And I think what I look back, like I look back at my life. So, you know, I'm dyslexic. So I don't know if you know that or not. So I see everything's backwards. I'm, I'm sure on this podcast, I'll say something backwards. I'm sure my reps will text me and tell me I said something backwards. But so I see, I'll see things backwards automatically. So, you know, growing up, you know, recess, right? Like everyone would be going out to recess and they're like, oh no, Aaron, you're, you're going to go this little portable and put on some headphones and like practice reading. I'm like, what? And I have this padded wallet, <laughs> you know, and everyone else is like playing kickball. I'm over here trying to learn how to read my whole life. Like I literally had trouble <laughs> reading until I was like 17 years old, right? you know? So, but then I read that book, The Grit, right? By Angela Duckworth and, uh, or Grit, you know, and, and by Angela Duckworth. And she talks about how, you know, dyslexic people are usually successful in life because they've been working their whole lives from an early age trying to just get to like average. Like they're working their ass off to just be at the average level, to not be embarrassed anymore, right? But that work ethic that you've learned is what it is, right? And then I go to my freshman, you know, year of football, right? I didn't play. Like I I got benched my entire freshman year in football. And um, and I remember like, oh, you know, I had to kick off, right? You know, like you just kick off like special teams, which is like the, you know, make a wish, like, you know, oh, go out there. We got to like, you know, a little slap on the ass, like, sure. You know, that's all I got, right? <laughs> and uh, and and that's it. And then, but then like, you know, my var- my senior year, right? I'm, I'm varsity captain of the football team, you know, starting like, you know, it's going great. But it's like that, I, I'm so grateful for freshman year. Yeah. Just getting my ass kicked not getting any playing time at all, being so embarrassed, having my parents in the stand and never getting in. But those are the things that like, because it it just taught me early. I had no idea this was happening. But now in hindsight, I look back, being dyslexic, being benched. It just showed me that I have to work extra hard around people around me to just get on the normal level. Yeah, And then you go and you apply that in the work field and then you dominate. And that's why people that are like these studs that come out, we're like, why aren't they killing it? It's because they've never done anything hard in their life. And, and, they may have done things hard. So this is what I, this is like what I've gathered from, and I agree with you a thousand percent. The definition that I've given it is there's a muscle of not quitting that some people don't really ever have to work out. That's it. Like there's this muscle of like facing failure, Mm -hmm. right. And not quitting that some people just kind of don't have to go work out other than learning to walk. Yeah. Right. And I always use that as an example for guys at the beginning of summer. That's the training I give is like unconditional commitment is the commitment parents and children both have to learn to walk. Like parents don't go. And if you take a couple months longer, just go, oh, shit, you're not going to walk, throw you on their back and carry you around until you're 15. Yeah. They're just like, well, I mean, he's just a little bit slow. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And you're just boot scooting around forever, eating shit, trying to stand up. And then eventually you can go and do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And like that, like being dyslexic, like what I'm hearing there is literally like 
you didn't have the option to quit. So inadvertently, you were working the muscle of not quitting. And I think that's like the most powerful muscle to go figure out. If you want to go and dominate in a space like like we're in, like that is the most powerful muscle to go and work. Yeah. And if you can go and add the superpower of not quitting with a smile and not quitting with gratitude and not quitting with excitement and not quitting with energy, oh, you will blow past everybody. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what it is. That's so cool. I've never, I've never thought about it with things like being dyslexic or anything, but I have thought about like those guys where they come in here, like, bro, this is the dog. Like, yeah, this guy's going to go be top of the top. And by June 15th, he's freaking driving Gone. home at 4 a.m. And you're Gone. like, what? And then that kid that's like been homeschooled that hasn't talked to anybody just goes and slaps everybody around. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Just goes and buries <laughs> everyone. Or that kid who did 15 <clears throat> the year before just yeah. comes back with like a chip on his yes. shoulder. And that's I'm my like, favorite thing is seeing sophomores, like who's going to pop out of these rookies. Yep. And that's, what's cool about this job it's like i mean anyways i love this job you know you could tell i love this job but same um but i i just love like time dude you know time is because you know i got my ass kicked for years and i mean i mean even let's see year six i i sold 68 again so i went back down so i sold 60 and then my and then my seventh year was oh no my sixth year was my first year at Vivint so yeah I guess I broke I guess I did one twenty eight my six so my fifth year I sold sixty eight again but then it wasn't until year seven that I broke two hundred accounts yeah so year seven I sold two hundred three then two hundred four then two twelve but it was just like it took me seven years to sell two hundred accounts you did that win my third year exactly you know which is you're great you're talented but like you know that's a grind you know yeah. I, I don't know that many people that couldn't break two hundred accounts till year seven and then you know goes regional no know? a thousand percent and like that dude it's 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 a superpower and I also think that's why people relate to you I think that's a really really important part about you because like there are those guys out there that are beasts and honestly my hat's off to like the Trevor Franks and these guys who just like dogs like my hat is I wish off I could I rather have I'm that like career. I would rather have done that but yeah. what I do think like if you're finding the silver lining and sucking ass yeah. at the beginning which frankly we both did yeah. is I can relate to these guys like when guys are coming home and they're like dude I'm literally doing everything I possibly can and I sold one this week and it canceled it's like homie just give it give it time like go and you reap in direct proportion with what you sow. And it's crazy. Your payout might be year seven. It might be year three. It might be year two and it might be year four. Mm-hmm. And for some of you, it might be year one, which for those of you that it's not year one, you're going to wonder what they did different. And yeah. all they did was that that was what was going to happen for them. That's it. They didn't do shit. They did yeah. exactly what you did. And I think it's a really, really cool superpower to be able to relate to people. And that's why I've wanted to have you on because I know people listening, especially in our space, because this has been very door to door central, which is yeah, yeah. totally cool. Right. And I love it. Um, you can relate to anybody. You can relate to the the beasts who are accelerating quicker than others. And you can also relate to the people that took seven years to go and get there. Mm-hmm. And like that, it just comes to show there's not very many stories like that because frankly, I think people would quit if it was going to take seven years. Yeah. Right. They wouldn't but, have the patience. Yeah. But at the same time though, it's like, man, people go to school all the time for a 10 year degree or a five year degree or whatever it is to go and get this degree to go and make X amount of money. It's like, if someone told you with absolute certainty that after seven years, you were going to be put on salary for the salary or the money you made year after year, after seven years, you probably would have done that regardless. Yeah. Right. And I think about that all the time. I'm like, dude, I would have done, and I made really good money my second year. My first year I made less than you and I didn't do very well. And I buckled down my second year and did something super different, but I would have done my first two years. And frankly, now knowing like where I'm at now, mm-hmm. I would even go to the lengths of saying first three years. And I made a quarter million dollars my third year. I would do my first three years free. Yeah. Like I would take loans out to pay for food. I would, I would go into debt as if it were a, a degree for my first three years of work. If I knew with absolute certainty that by year four, five, six, seven, and eight, where I'm at now, I would be where I'm at. Yeah. A thousand percent. hundred percent. I do. I, I knocked for and managed for 11 straight years. Yeah. So 11 straight years, I was on the doors and, and I'm proud of that. Like, I don't like people. Like, oh, what? I got off the doors at this time. Like, dude, I love it. People like, when am I getting off the doors? I'm like, dude, who cares? Like j- just go and grind it. The, you'll finally get pushed off the doors. Yeah. If you're doing it right, you'll be pushed off the doors. You won't leave the doors. They'll ask you to get off the doors because they need your, more of your time and other things. That's what will happen. Yep. You trying to get off the doors in a hurry is one of the dumbest things you can do early in your career. Yeah. It's just like, you just, it will naturally come just get to that level. But, and also what I like too is like, you know, I can relate to my people in a lot of ways where 
oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing this job single. Yeah, I done it. Oh, I done this job, you know, single while going to school full time. Yeah, I done it. Oh, well, I'm done. I done this job. Like, uh, have you ever been engaged, you know, and not seen your fiance the whole summer? Yeah, did that. Had a pepper spray Hillary like three times when she come to visit me, you know, I control that woman. And then, you know, then like, oh, have you done it? Like as a newlywed? Yeah, I've done it. Have you done it with a kid? Yeah. Have you done it with two kids? Yeah. Oh, you know, so it's like, I can relate to them. So when they call me these issues, I'm like, yeah, I've been there, bro. Like I, I get it. Like I yep. understand. Yep. And honestly, the, uh, I'm curious on your advice there. Like, yeah, I've been there. Then what's your, what's your follow-up advice? Like, yes, I know exactly where you're at. What's your follow-up advice? And I think you've already given it, but I want to hear it again. Well, my advice is like, you know, just trust the process, you know, and enjoy the, enjoy, enjoy it too. Yep. Like it, it's funny because they always say this, you know, Kobe Bryant's speech, uh, his retirement speech, it really hit me. He's just like, you know, the waking up at the 4am going to this, going to that, doing this, you know, and he's like, always to just get to this thing, to just like be the best, to win the championships, to be the MVP. And then he's like, then I have it. Then I have the championships and I have the MVP. And I just look back and realize what the best part was, was the journey to get there. Yep. Like now, now he's doing the speech. Now he has the microphone in his hand. He goes, the journey was the best part. And, and that's like where I look back, like some of my best, that trailer park here, dude, like that was the best. I mean, so what, what, was it a grind? Oh my gosh, dude. Like yeah. it was, I mean, my, you know, my city flooded, like all this stuff. Like, I mean, I lost 14 accounts in a day from a flood. I mean, like, you know, on and on and on, like, you know, pushing the van out of the mud, like all this stuff. Like, but the journey was the best, you know? And so yeah. my thing is like, listen, have the patience, trust the process. Like it's inevitable. You're going to get there with the hard work and the, and the work ethic. But these experiences right now that you're going through, they're shaping you. Yeah. They're cultivating you. They're changing you to then become, to develop, to be that leader that you want to be in the future. Yep. But you have to army crawl through shit to get there. Yep. And I did. I army crawled for 11 years. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I get it. And now I can relate to my people and now I can help them out. I love it, dude. I love it. And I think so many people, like, naturally you want to skip that. Yes. Like naturally <laughs> everyone's like, Ooh, I would rather not yeah. do that part. I'm going to do it better than Doria. And then yeah. it's like, Oh shit, dude, same thing's happening. Uh, and then you get to choose, you get to choose. Am I going to go quit or am I going to see it through? And like, that's one thing I'm really, really big on. And probably cause of Bodie and Casey and all those yeah. guys was like, how you do something is how you do everything. And to me, like one thing it's like wrapped in my identity, super tight is I'm not a quitter like at all period. If I'm going to go and like stop doing something, I'm going to end on a high note. If I'm, does that make sense? Yep. And it's like, uh, yeah, I think that's so cool. I think, I think you have a really, really cool story that a lot of people can go and relate to. And that's so valuable. And I think that's the best advice ever is just like, not only like trust the process, but enjoy it is very, very important because you could go make the process miserable. And Good. I actually agree. My hardest years are my funnest years. Yeah. Like, cause you're fully engulfed and you could view it totally differently if you weren't enjoying it. And I think that's, that's like the secret, dude. That is, that is the secret in this industry, especially, or probably any industry. I, I think, think it's, yeah. I think the cool thing about our job too, and like we all rant about it, but it's true. I think it's a parallel to anything you would go and do that's hard in life. Starting a business, doing your own thing, going through school, having a family. Like there's so many lessons you learn mm -hmm. by just going and getting your ass kicked in any form or fashion. And I think you can do it other ways too. I think emissions are a really good way. I Absolutely. think there are a lot, but it's like, it's so powerful to go and get just absolutely destroyed and like tell me, yeah, be taken you. down to like your, your knees and be like crying about it and then go and like come, come out triumphant is like really, really powerful. Yeah. Very cool. I love that. So, okay. So then you go from that year and where you're at is really, really cool. There's a few year gap and and I guess whatever stories you think are the most important to tell through there, but this, we're at year four or whatever. Year four, I managed break six figures. Great. Year five, uh, got in a car accident on the freeway, should have died, didn't. Like, it was a, a true miracle. You can check out those pictures too. And then, um, anyways, but then, yeah, went back to 68 that year. But, you know, same thing. Like, I was knocking with a broken hand. It was paper contracts back then, had to have the customers do it. Like, just stuff like that. It's like constantly putting myself, like, I look at it as an opportunity. Like, okay, now I have a broken hand. I can't even write the contracts. You know, I'm hopped up on Percocet. I'm all swollen from my car rolling on the freeway three times, you know, and I'm still going out here yep. and knocking and still getting nine deals in a week. You yep. know, like those things shape me, change me, right? Uh, then after that, I get introduced to Vivint my senior year in college. I get introduced to Vivint. Um, when I get signed at Vivint, um, you know, by Jason Brown, the OG, um, you know, I tell him just transparently like, hey, I'm only doing this for one summer. 
And then I'm going to go do advertising, you know, because that's my degree. And I was doing pretty good in school and I, and I enjoyed it. And I had, you know, I think like that was like my passion. I felt like, right. So then I do a great summer event, you know, first year is fine. And then I quit. Um, and I was engaged and I got married and then went straight into advertising full-time, um, at an ad agency in downtown Chicago. Yep. So live in downtown Chicago, walk to work every day. Um, it was cool. And, and, and advertising, when you're a creative and you're in the advertising is dope. Like yeah. they dress like you, they roll up in skateboards, like they got ping pong tables. Like they want you to just live there, but like free craft beers after 6 PM, free dinner after eight, um, taxi ride homes after nine. They want you to just like live there and just be creative, you know? Yeah. And that's what I, I was a copywriter. And so I did all the, um, social media for KFC. So we did like their Instagram, uh, Snapchat, Vine, so rest sick. in peace, you know? All right. Yeah. yeah, go on the blue check mark on Instagram, scroll back, scroll back far enough, you'll see me holding like a bucket of chicken, you know, you know, yeah. we were balling on a budget back then, but yeah, but, um, you know, and I was just like, it was cool, but it wasn't my, I, I, in my head, it was something else. You know, when I was in school, it was something else. Then when I was in that corporate life, uh, it was a little bit different. And, yeah. um, specifically I was working on a campaign. KFC was going to do something with NFL for like some playoff commercials. Yeah. And it was Halloween. I think I said, said this story before, but I'll say it again, just, you know, for the viewers that haven't heard it, but like, um, it was just like <clears throat> my, but my boss who, who recruited me from, uh, Sundance film festivals, he came out and he recruited me from, from BYU. He was a, he was a, he was awesome. And his name was Todd too. All these important people in my life are named Todd, you know? You gotta love that. Yeah. I love it. So his name is Todd too. And he's a G and, um, we're working on this campaign and my, and we were newlyweds at that time. So me and my wife were going to go out clubbing that night for Halloween. So in downtown Chicago, might as well. So she's like in the lobby, all decked out, ready to go. And, uh, and it's like seven 30 and it's like on a, on a, on a normal weekday, like seven 30 and then eight o'clock, eight 30 hits. And I asked my boss, I'm like, Hey, so like, don't you, um, don't you have like, like kids, Todd? He's like, yeah, I got like three kids. And I'm like, are you going to go, um, trick or treating with them? You know? And he's like, Oh no, man, with this job, like, I haven't been trick or treating my kids like the last three or four years, you know? And I was like, Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then like, you know, and we finished that, that project and me and my, I met my wife in the lobby. She's like, damn, that took forever. I'm like, Oh, sorry. And we went, you know, clubbing or whatever. It was fun. But in my mind that like hit me hard because yeah. like I, my dad was at everything. Uh, all my sporting events. We didn't have that yeah. much money, but he was always available. Mm -hmm. And um, and and that's something that was really, really important to me. So that kind of freaked me out. I know it meant nothing to him, but to me, that whole night, it shook me. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to be the dad who can't go trick-or-treating with his kids. Yeah. Like that, that that's just not who I am. Yep. And um, so, anyways, fast forward to the best advice I've ever received in my life. And he probably doesn't even know this, but shout out to Bodie Gardner. He came out to visit my office one year when I was managing it and spoke and and he maybe shared the story before, but it was just something really impact, impactful that really messed me up big time. But he just said, um, you know, he's like, everybody was like, oh, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. You know, like just do what you love and you'll never work a day. But the problem is like that love sometimes goes away. Maybe it's love for 10 years, but after, you know, 11 years, 12 years, you, you might not love it anymore. Then it becomes monotonous. Then it becomes a job. And then you have yep. to check in and be and just a job anymore. And you don't like it as much. And so his advice that he got from somebody that he told us was like, find one, find something that you're good at. Something like something that you're good at, you're, that you're, you're good, you know. Find something that you can scale, that has endless scalability. So there's no, there's no roof, right? Like you can just keep building, building, building and do that. And the third thing is, and find something that gives you financial freedom to go do the things you love, yep. right? So like, I love <clears throat> playing basketball. I woke up at 5.15 this morning and played basketball. Um, I love surfing and I love hanging out with my kids, mm -hmm. but I haven't found one person to pay me to do those things, you know? Yep. And so it's like, do I, do I love knocking doors? No, I don't love it. Am I good at it? Yeah, I'm good at it. I'm not great, but I'm good. Um, is there endless scalability? Yeah. As big as you can imagine it, as big as you can build it, you can do it. And uh, does it give me financial freedom to go do the things I love? Absolutely. Yep. And, uh, and so once I heard that advice and I had that experience over there, I was done. I, I, I quit advertising and, um, came back to, to Vivint and to do full time. I think it's been been like 11 years. And when I came back, I lost all my reps because I told yeah. them I was on my piece out. I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing advertising. So I come back and I only rounded up four guys in, in 2014. And, um, you know, now we'll have over 500. So it's been good. So sick, dude. I think, so I literally, as you were talking, I was thinking about that and I was like, okay, like, and I always, I love that video too. I remember in, when I, when I got into Vivint, they made a whole video yeah, about you going and getting into the creative agency and you like narrated it and it was killer. And it really, really kind of pushed that message across, which 
Is there like, yeah, is it a biased message for sure in for some sure. cases, right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That being said, though, it's so unbelievably true. Like, th- I love this. Like, I love the podcast. Could this go and get me the lifestyle that I have as of right now? Zero percent chance. <laughs> Zero percent chance. Yeah. I would go greatly into debt and it wouldn't be great, right? <laughs> Um, eventually sick. That'd be cool if it could. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love other things. Like, it's like, Oh, what do you want to do? Like, and some, sometimes, and, and I love my parents to death. I don't think they understood the opportunity that I was plugged into super early on. They're like, yeah, well, yeah that's cool. Like how much longer are you going to do it? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? I'm like, do you have any idea? Like I worked six months out of the year and I made this like, yeah. And I wouldn't really say anything because I'm not very confrontational with that stuff. I'm like, oh, like until it's not same good. Same though. Same. Same conversation with my parents. Same stuff. Like until it's not good. Yeah. And then I always have guys like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, dude, I'm like doing exactly what I want to do. What do you mean? I'm like, unfortunately, homie, like the reality of the world is we all have to have a job. Mm-hmm. Like maybe not you. I don't know what kind of background you come from. Right. And I'm like, like looking these kids in the face and it's like, eventually you're going to have to pay for something unless you're just one of the select few that was born to the right family where you never have to. And I feel sorry for you if you are. Yeah. Right. And it's like, so like if I can go find a job that does exactly that, it gives me the freedom of time and financial freedom to go then do what I actually love to do with no, because what I found is it's really easy to stop loving something when you you have to do it. Does that make sense? Like you may love basketball and maybe if someone like, let's just say there was a scout at your pickup (laughs) at five 30, he's like, I'm picking that mother effer up. That guy. Right. And then all of a sudden you have to do it every single day. I think there are people who could love that, but Mm -hmm. I really think for the most, most part, if you have to do something to meet meet all of your ends, like I think it, it sucks the joy out of it. Right. So if you can have that relationship with your work and like learn to love what you're learn to love. And and, and I also think love is a multidimensional word. Like, the things you go dump serious effort and attention and focus into, you love. Like, yeah. I, I may not love knocking doors. I love what I've created within the industry. I love it. I love the relationships I have. I love the skill set that I've gained. I love, I love the branding that I get. Like, I love all of that. Like, do I necessarily think knocking on doors and being a door-to-door sales rep is like the most appealing thing, especially for someone where creative, I would say, is like, that was what I thought I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That's literally what I, I applied at Vivint. I applied for the creative department to intern as oh, did a photographer. Yeah, didn't I even didn't, know that. I didn't get it. That's why I went out. <laughs> hey, what it a was with case. It was with K-Swiss. Shout out K-Swiss. K-Swiss Global. Bro. Yeah, K-Swiss Global. He's like, yeah, man, I just don't think. And rightfully so. I went in there like, yeah, Dude. I want to be a creative. And it's like, okay, like what experience do you have? I'm like, no, like I want to come and learn. Like, that's why I want to come. I didn't get the job. And then I ended up here and it's like, dude, I love it. Like, I love it. And there are there ups and downs are there frustrations and stresses, all of that. Do I need to be patient sometimes? Like, yes, a thousand percent. I don't think there's a harder thing I could have chosen to do with my personality. I really don't think there is. And I think that's why I like it so much. Yeah. Right? It's so damn hard for me still. Right. But it, the, the love develops like in the beginning, you know, I love like kind of going out and, and exploring parts of the nation I'd never been. Right. And I love yep. like talking to strangers every day. I thought it was really cool. Just working on my communication skills and living in different cities, different cultures. I love that part. I love the money in the beginning. The money was great, you know, but then I, now it's like the love develops. Like now when you see your guy make his first six figures ever in his life and he just gets out of debt and his life changes or he graduates debt free or he was able to pay for a wedding or something like a medical, like that's like, that's impactful. Like those yep. are my things that I love now. And that, that was even in my vision, you know, yep. 10 years ago, I didn't even have a, a, anything on that. And now over time, I'm like, okay. So like the love develops, you know, and, and then it's hilarious. Cause I, I started that brand, um, you know, still here, you know, like me yep. and Puck, we did the whole still here stuff and everyone like, you know, some people like, you know, get offended by it. But you know, the point being is like, it's just more for the door to door in general. We're like, I don't care if you're doing solar, I don't care if you're doing pest or whatever. It's just, you're doing great at your job. And then you have those parents or you have those uncles or you have those mentors. Like, are you still doing that? Are you yeah, still you, doing that door to door thing? Are you still like, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm still doing it. And I'm dominating. Like I'm making doctor money. I'm doing this. I'm like, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm still here. And it always bothered me. Like, so how are you going to do that for a little hobby of yours? Like, yeah. Are you still doing it? And I'm like, of course I'm still doing it. Like, what are you talking about? You don't even know. And that's why we started the whole steal here. It's like a, a mess. Like, yeah, I'm still here. I'm still doing it. I'm, st- I'm still loving it. I'm still dominating. That's so cool. I love it. I've never actually heard the, the, origin of still here. And I love that. I think it's so cool. And that's the strange, it is the strangest question. Cause it's like, I don't go and ask like, yeah, my friends that are school teachers, like, yeah, are you still, still like a school uh, teacher? You're still going to do that? Like that is but so, we, but then we get it. Yeah. It's so condescending. <laughs> but I also, I also understand it because mm-hmm. no one gets into this thinking it's a career. Yeah. That's one thing I have learned. And I, that's why I have a little bit of empathy with that question of like, are you still doing it? Cause it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go do this to get me through college. And all of a sudden you're dropping out of college. And like, uh, 
And then all of a sudden you're there five years and then your little brothers are doing it with you. And they're like, Hey, are you still like, like, is that still like going well? And it's like, no, yeah, it's like, mm -hmm. it's going really well. And also I plan to be here for like 15 years, just so you know. So just ask me again in 15 years. Yeah, just <laughs> At that point I'll be retired and do my thing and I'll do whatever I want. Absolutely. But yeah. I, I love that. I think that's really, really important piece of advice. And also going backtracking a little bit to the advice of like, Oh, if you like find your passion and do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. It's like, frankly, a lot of people love the idea of being lazy. <laughs> and like, this is a call out to yeah. a lot of people listening that want to go be like a social media influencer. It's like sick, do that and something else until that's paying your bills. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when it's paying your bills, hell yeah. Like I actually have friends that like since Instagram started, that's like, that's been their career since the Power start, like 2014, 13, 12 they were really early in it. They chose to Perfect. do it. They dominated through high school. They made better money and they make great money. Still, like, I'm not dissing on that. What I am dissing on is the person who wants to be a YouTuber that uploads a video a month, still lives at their parents, makes no money, and they're not grinding at it. Like, if you're going to go and commit to something, it better be able to consume all of your time. And if it can't, go find a substitute that'll pay you during the time you're not spending on it. Yeah. And that's my challenge, my challenge, because I have a lot of friends and a lot of guys and a lot of people that, that I talk to that are like, oh, yeah, I want to do like, any of it. Like there's so many passions that you can go and do, do that and make good money. Right. Like my passion is definitely not door knocking. Like I, I definitely have things I want to go and start, but if I can do that without having like a financial burden attached to it, I can go actually do it the way I love it rather than the way I have to do it financially speaking, which I think is way more powerful in my opinion. And that would be my advice to people. Cause I've, I've loved that. So I love it. I have a question for you then. And you're in a unique position. And I ask this question to a lot of people and honestly, time flies. So I'll be respectful. I won't take up a lot more of your time, but I do have a couple Good. questions for you. Um, you, you get the opportunity to go and mentor a lot of younger people, people who are like either in their mid twenties and don't know what they want to do, or they think they know what they want to do, or really they do know what they want to do, or they're even younger and they don't have any clue. And they're just like fresh, like it's like a fresh slate of life. They have no idea. It's like, my, I have two questions. One is what's one piece of advice you would give someone like, Hey, if you could just go embody this throughout your life from my experience, I think that would bring you the most fulfillment and happiness. And then on the flip side, avoid this at all costs. What would those two things be? Great question. It, for me, it would just be like, it, it would just be being positive. I know that sounds so cheesy and so easy, but it, it, it's, it's deeper than that. You know, it's just, you know, being positive in a negative situation, you know, looking for the out, you know, the best part of the outcome, you know, not feeling sorry for yourself. I, I will, I, there's a lot of cons that I have, but like I can say one pro that I have is I don't spend much time feeling sorry for myself, yeah. you know, ever, maybe the way I grew up, um, maybe the things I've seen in my life, but I don't, I don't feel sorry for myself. And so I don't ever, you know, spend time on that. And that doesn't ever, never takes away from my energy, you know, but <clears throat> I'm like, I'm saying positive, but I've been through like, you know, some, some, you know, shitty situations in my life. You know, I, I told you, you know, about my mom and stuff like that, like, you know, passing away while I was still managing that summer while having a newborn baby, like having those experiences, still having to go knock with a 10 day year old baby while my mom just passed away and still manage a team and finish the summer when I think I, a lot of people I know would have quit and just yep. went home, you know, yep. it, was, it was August, you know, it's like, and to your point of being positive is like in sales, you are not selling shit if people don't if you're not infectious. Yeah. Like, so you had to, in the midst of all of that, find a way to, to put a smile on my face. They don't know that I've got no yep. sleep the night before from a brand new newborn. And they yep. don't know that my mind's somewhere else. Cause my mom passed away. Yep. They don't know that I got to knock on the door. Hey, sorry to bother you. I'll be really quick. You know, I'm looking, you know, and I gotta, and I gotta do that, but I'm being positive. And at the same time, I'm like, I'm not gonna feel sorry for myself. Cause you know why? Like, yeah, I lost my mom, but there's some people that grew up without a mom, mm -hmm. you know, or, or both their parents passed away or something. It's so like, what am I going to do? I'm going to sit here and just have this pity party for myself. Yeah. Or am I going to just try to be as positive as I can about the situation? Because being negative is not going to help at all. Yep. And that would be my thing. I would, I would, you know, I say for sure. No. And then what was the second one? Um, like, what would you avoid at all costs? And you kind of touched a little bit on like pity party negativity. What is something else that you would like avoid? Like, what is like a trap that may be really enticing and may be really attractive, but it's a trap and it's not going to go lead you to any fulfillment or happiness in your experience? I would just, uh, I mean, just to get rich quick kind of stuff, you know, I, if, if the guys that I mentor, um, the get, the get rich quick, I, I think right now, and this is different from my generation, right? So I grew up with no social media in high school, you know, and I feel bad for these young 20 year olds that I, that I manage now and stuff because 
they, you know, they could be having a great life and they, they hop on a social media for 10 minutes and they'll probably hop off and like, my life sucks, yeah. you know, cause there's, you know, on, on social media, yeah. you know, everyone's just so happy and like, you know, the lighting's so perfect and like, you know, their marriage is great and they're yeah. making million or making so much money and do it. It's like one fat paycheck and they'll post it on Instagram, like, you know, check this out, bet, you know, and the next thing you know, it's like, that's, that's a, their only paycheck. I've had, I've had reps work for me that post their back end checks, you know, they come check out this. And I'm like, dude, that's just like, that's like four months of work. Don't, don't try to, you know, flex on these kids out. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that at all. And I would just say, you know, um, you know, just, you know, look and see what's working already. Right. You know, uh, don't go and try to, you know, invent the wheel and, you know, stuff like that and just plug yourself in, but don't try to get, don't get distracted with all this get rich quick stuff because that was one thing that worked for me. I didn't really get too distracted when I quit advertising and I decided to come back and do this. I'm like, this is going to be my career. And I put my head down and I did had no distractions yeah. and I had people come into my life with glitter and just, you know, shiny things and try to fully distract me or pull me away from my, my ultimate goal. And I had tunnel vision and yeah. I knew that if I do that, I'm going to get to where I want to be. And I think I'm here. Yeah, no, you're, you're killing it. Well, dude, literally again, I want to be respectful of your time, studios time, everybody's time. Hour flies by. We will definitely do another one. We can just have a glory story. Yeah, I have we'll, a couple we'll get for Brad you. in here yes, too. We'll yes, do a we need three to. Man, we have a little to. three man video with Ross in here yes. too. It'd be a blast. But dude, I, I, I freaking love you to death. I appreciate you probably way more than you know. Oh, thanks. Man. Um, and I know that was super, super helpful for a lot of people. And honestly, a lot of the stuff I need to hear and like, I appreciate it big time. So thank you for taking the time, making it a priority. And just always being how you are. You're you're a gem, dude. I appreciate, appreciate you. you. Thanks, guys. Everybody listening, much love. And until next time. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Um, as always, it was a blast for me. I hope you got something out of this. If you got something out of this video of value, share this with a friend. And please go show your love. We're on all streaming platforms, including YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. Any ratings, comments, likes, shares, they go a very long way and they make it so I can keep doing these things for you and I would appreciate it greatly. So please go share with a friend. Until next time.